and really hit home with me and, and, and um, just really made me realize my disease and how serious it is more than this lady has. Um, and since I've been clean and sober a couple of years now, she has opened up her heart to work with me and to take me through the steps and to call me out on my bullshit more than once. And I am so honored to have her speak tonight. Um, I'm sure that we will all leave here tonight with something that she has said that we'll take with us the rest of our lives. Um, please put your hands together for my sponsor, Mary. No, I'm going to stand. Are you sure? Yeah. I do good standing. Hi, guys. My name is Mary, and I'm an addict and an alcoholic, which I didn't know when I first got here. Congratulations to everybody who picked up chips. I remember seeing you when you came in. You were pretty fucked up. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, when I came into Cocaine Anonymous, I came into a lot of anonymous meetings different ones. I didn't know nothing. I didn't know what it meant to have a disease. I didn't know what it meant to be allergic until I came here. Um, and I didn't know that my disease wanted to kill me. And um, when I got here, I had shaved my head prior to getting here. Uh huh. Um, so sexy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> and um, I was very twisted, and I had no idea that I was sick. My disease was cunning, baffling, and very powerful. I present it. I like to say I present it like a little Juan Chichi, little monkey cute. Oh my god, look at my, you want party? You want to pet my, you want to pet the monkey cute? But everybody in my family, they saw the silverback behind me. Close the door, don't let her in, hide your purse, get her out. And I, I didn't understand that, you know, like all my aces were showing. And I had played this game for so long, I was so comfortable in the disease. And it took a, ooh wee, it took a lot. As a matter of fact, they did an intervention on me on my last day using. And um, this was in, uh, June 23rd, 2002. And I remember um, coming home from a three-day bender. Well, you know, it wasn't really my home. I was evicted, I was repoed, and I was fired. So I had two, you know, two kids that I went to go live with my mother, and my father um, would say, please don't let her in the house. Do not let her in the house. Let her go. And my mother would say, but honey, the kids. What about the kids? Ay, no seas tan pendeja, por favor. Don't let her in the house. <laughs> oh, honey. And I'd stand behind my mother and I'd be like, she's gonna let me in this motherfucker. You better step away. 
And he'd be like, ah, and he'd throw his hand up in the air and walk to his room. And, and so I thought, oh, yeah, she gave me a free bed to sleep on. She gave me so much babysitter, fridge full of food. The lights were on. <laughs> I could borrow the car, borrow the car, uh, credit cards, stuff like that, jewelry, whatever they had. Nothing was safe. I was a lie, a cheat, a thief, a manipulator, and a professional victim. I had been through so much, you know. Oh, you know what happened to me? And, and you know what else? Can I, can I have another beer? Because I just got to tell you what happened. And then it'd be the same story over and over every time I got fucked up. And then, and then you know, and I'm like, yeah, 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 I, I heard. <laughs> And, um, you know, I made my family suffer a lot, especially that one over there. She suffered so much with me. She brought me into these rooms, that fucker. <laughs> well, what happened was the last day that I used, I was on a three-day bender. I'm coming home at 8 o'clock in the morning to my mother and father's house. I put the key in, I open the door, and there's my mother and my father and my two children ready for church, 8 a.m. Sunday morning. I come in and I'm gonna go hit the Benadryl because I gotta kill the Jones. See, the Jones keeps telling me to use. So I gotta kill it with Benadryl. Fucking puts me out, I don't even think about it no more. And I wake up and I eat and I sleep and you know. I come in and my mother says, give me the key to my house. I said, what? She said, give me the fucking key. My mother, she's like, hi, Michita, I don't know why, you know, Jesus is love, and why do you have to be so sick, Michita, I don't know, I don't get it. Because my mother was like, nothing's wrong here, nothing to see, you know, and my dad would be like, mirala, she's sick, mirala. She'd say, Maria, are you on the pot? She'd tell me, are you on the pot? <laughs> no, mama, I'm not. See, see, she's not. <laughs> she didn't know, you know. And so um, this time I came home, my mother said, get, give me my key and get out. And we're going to sever your rights to the kids because we're done with you. My children were seven and eight years old, seven and ten, seven and nine, something like that. Seven and nine. <laughs> Oops. And, and, uh, and I looked and I was like, what? What? Wait, I got one more dance. You know, I got one more trick. And uh, my dad stood behind my mother and went. <laughs> she could get you fucking ass out, girl. And I said, please, please, I'll do anything, please. I'll do anything, please, just, just let me stay, please. I don't know what you're gonna do, Mita, but I think you better go to rehabs. Rehab? Yeah, go to, what is it, the, the Lark. She said, you better go to the Lark. I don't wanna go to the Lark. Well, then you better go to 90 meetings in 90 days and get a sponsor worth the steps. <laughs> and this little shit over here had 33 days. I'm going to meetings and I have a sponsor and I'm working the steps. I'd be like, that's good, dude. That's good. <laughs> you sure? Are you sure? 
Are you sure? Because I got some. <laughs> because I don't, you know, that's how we do things. Well, first of all, I'm kind of hidden. I'm locked in a closet, you know, and I like to share with her, though. I, like to, I just like to see her eyes when she thinks, I, you know, I only have one eight ball. And we, and we snort, you know, and she says, I gotta stop at 11 because I gotta go to work tomorrow. I'm like, cool. And then, you know, by the time 11 comes, I'm like. <laughs> and she's like, you know. And then she wants to play the music. I'm like. <laughs> you know, I'm pulling out another eight ball. She goes, you have another fucking eight ball? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what's funny? I only snorted. Well, I smoke too, but I don't like to talk about that. <laughs> I'm a lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so mom and dad, my mom put the foot down. I said, I'll do anything. You fucking bitch. I'm looking, looking at her thinking, you fucking bitch. You fucked it all up for me now. Now what am I gonna do, right? So I said I would do anything. Okay, well we're gonna leave and we're gonna leave for the day. You think about what the hell you wanna do because we're done. So I, my heart's beating fast. I need to lay down, I need to take the bed, I need to fall asleep. I'm like, Sandy, come up, come over here. Hold me, dude, hold me. Cause you know, I'm gonna have a heart attack. You know, that's how I use anyway. She's like, I can't do it, I'm going to a meeting. I'm like. <laughs> How am I gonna live? They told me not to. <laughs> so I lay down uh, and she's playing, somebody's talking in her room. And I'm like, what are you listening to? She goes, it's a speaker tape. I'm like, well, put it in my, put it in my speaker, put it in my box because I wanna die. I mean, I don't tell her that. I just put it up. I wanna hear it, I wanna hear it. She says, you wanna hear it? I said, yeah, I wanna hear it. Because this thing is telling me, you know what, Mary? Just fucking kill yourself already. They want you to be sober. How the hell are you gonna do that? You don't know how, you don't know one thing about it. So I'm trying to figure out what's the what's the most unhurt way I could kill myself. I'm a chicken shit too, you know. So I'm thinking about the gun in my dad's room. I'm thinking about the pills in the in the um medicine cabinet, and I wanna die. So she pops the tape in my in my cassette, a cassette tape. And um, it's the speaker, Mickey Bush. And Mickey Bush had shared his steps one, two, and three at a convention in 2001. I think it was a September convention or something. And this stupid dude, man, he was talking in a British accent. So he's kind of hard to follow. But what I really, really remember from him was he talked about um, coming into the rooms and not really being an alcoholic and making sure that you do belong here. You know, making sure that you belong in these rooms. So how do you qualify yourself as really belonging, needing this program? He said, well, step one will do that through the book. So I'm listening to him and in my half in and out because I'm drinking, I had drank the Benadryl. And then he said he had two parakeets. One was yellow and one was blue and he named them Bill and Bob and he said, he taught them to say, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic. He said these birds had never had a drink of their life. He says a lot of people that come into the rooms will say they're addict or alcoholic and they don't even have the slightest idea of what it is to suffer. 
So when he said that word, suffer, I really had to think about, did I suffer? Because for whatever reason, I kept wanting more, even if I did suffer. <laughs> the, the disease didn't allow me respite. You know, I would flatline OD and wake up and do more. Anybody who's normal would not do that. You know, they, they kind of like, oh shit, that, that stung pretty bad. I'm probably not gonna do that ever again. But I, I think I'm gonna go buy a teener this time and try to control it. I'm gonna go buy an eight ball, do 20 and sell the rest and double my money. That never fucking worked. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, me and Sandy, before this, we were trying to be dope men, women. And I would steal the shit, and I would tell her, you fucking lost it, huh? Oh, man, where the hell? I don't know, let me help you find it. <laughs> yeah, we got into some serious fights over that, you know. it. <laughs> Everybody knew what I was except for me. Everybody knew what I was except for me. So when I came into the rooms, bald-headed, I went to Coconuts, my first meeting, Monday nights, 7 o'clock? 7.30. 7.30. And um, I looked around the room with her, and it was pretty crowded. And there was a guy named Big Rob, and Big Rob said, if you're a newcomer, you go to 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor with the steps. I'm like, fuck that puto dude. <laughs> what does he know? Sandy, shh, Mary, be quiet. I'm like, where the fucking Chicanos at? She's like, be quiet, Mary. I'm like, fucking weak. So they're, they're talking, right? I'm like, I don't know recovery talk. I don't know what it means. So I'm, I'm rude. I'm like getting up, walking out, you know, until I get a sponsor that says, baby, you turn off your phone. You don't answer your phone. You don't get up. You don't get up during the speaker. You don't get up during the meeting. It's your hour. I had to be, uh, relearn everything it felt like. I had to learn manners. I had to be nice. I remember, I think I had three years sober, and Karen said, uh, sober people don't hit sober, sober people don't hit people. I was like, what? <laughs> sober people don't hit people? Wow, who hit God? I really did not get that concept. I mean, because, you know, Everything was controlled with bullying and power and I'll kick your ass and you know, all that fun dysfunction that we put into the family, you know? I mean, it's crazy. The manipulation that, that I did. My family were like, they were done. They were like, get the fuck out of my house. My kids. They say to this day, well, my daughter says she doesn't know nothing. She never saw anything. But my son loves to remind me how much of a crack that I was. So when I came into the rooms, the instruction was to go to 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor, work the steps. 
Right. So I come into the second night, and Sandy's sitting with these three women that have three years, six years, and sometimes, I think nine years or something. Well, her sponsor had six years, I think, sober. And so her sponsor was sitting there, and Sandy was smart. When she came into the back to the rooms from when she was younger, she got in the mesh with the people that had time and people that were really doing a program. She didn't fuck around with the newcomers, right? So when I come into the rooms and Sandy's bringing her wet sister behind her, the three bitches of Eastwick went. <laughs> and I said, what the fuck they say, Sandy? What the fuck? She's like, shut up, Mary. I'm like, the fuck that bitches, dude? <laughs> She's like, no, shut up, Mary. Mama's is my sponsor. I'm like, <laughs> Right? I think I'm a badass. I'm so sick and twisted, you know? So we sit down and they're, they're, start, 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 they're oh, Sandy. I'm like, oh, yeah, they must be lesbians too. <laughs> you know, I'm so twisted. And so one of them jumped up in the middle of the meeting and said, I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, bitch, I want to talk to you too. <laughs> she said, I want to be your sponsor. I said, I get to pick my fucking sponsor. And then I said, wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. Because the night before, that night that I saw um, Rob, and Rob was telling me to go to 90 meetings in 90 days and get a sponsor, work the steps if I want to get be successful, I went home that night and I prayed. I said, God, please give me that thing they called a sponsor. Help me out, dude. If you're really up there, because, you know, my God, don't, the God that I grew up knowing did not love me. The God that I grew up knew, knowing was going to, I mean, the... From what I understood, anybody, if I told them I went to church, they said, did the roof fall in? <laughs> right? Because we're kind of like the outcast, the unwanted. So, um, he said, get a sponsor. I saw a girl in that first meeting. We were sitting in this meeting, and there was a beautiful girl, curly red hair. Her skin was clear. She really white, beautiful girl. And I said, oh, hell no, I don't want to look at that bitch. Right? But I couldn't help but look at her. She was so beautiful, like an angel. And I went up to her and I said, you know what, I know you. She said, you do? I said, yeah. You got a tattoo of the sun on your ankle, right? She said, mm-hmm. I said, yeah, bitch, I know you from fucking detox. Yeah, the lark. She goes, oh, I don't remember. I said, yeah, fuck you don't, because you was fucked up. <laughs> I said, you had abscesses in your arms and you were fucking shitting on yourself. She's like, ew. Well, you know, God, yeah. How much time you got? I, you know, everything's a test. Everything's a test. I don't believe you. How much time you got? She said nine months. I said nine months. I thought she was the fucking queen of Sheba. Thirty-three days. This bitch has nine months. Oh my God, damn! You got you got sober. She's like, yeah, I got sober. How did you do it? She said, I came to the meetings. I got a sponsor. I said, are you are you sponsoring? She goes, no, I haven't finished my steps. I said. Well, she says, but you can have my number. I said, oh my God, cool. So I went home that night and I said, I know that was a message because if that fucking sick bitch can get it, maybe I have a chance. <laughs> maybe I have a chance. That was the hope from the whole meeting was that sick motherfucker that I saw shitting on herself, hallucinating her dope was in the medicine cabinet. Motherfucker was sitting there nine months sober. What is that? Was she lucky or did she work? She worked her ass off. I need some of that.
So I went home and I prayed and that chick the next day told me I got to, she wanted to be my sponsor. I told her I got to speak my sponsor. I said, wait, wait, wait. You could be my sponsor. Like it was a great honor for her to be my sponsor. She said, okay, call me every day and read the big book. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do it. I get the big book, I look at it, but it doesn't relate to me. Like it doesn't, I don't understand it. I said, I need a cocaine book. It doesn't really make sense. So that Saturday night, that was, okay, so Monday, Tuesday, we're going to meetings. I don't know how in the world I had the um, desire to go to a meeting every day, but I did. It was all of a sudden I wanted to do this. I don't know who that bitch was, because one I knew wanted to get loaded, okay? So it was a miracle. When I got to my Saturday night meeting, I met a woman and I asked her to be my sponsor and she said yes. Well, this woman, um, she had a beautiful connection to a power greater than herself and it was attractive to me. And she had a big book study at her house. And at her house, she had a man come in and there was about 12 of us sitting in her house and it was a little tiny studio apartment place. And we were sitting on the floors and stuff. And he came in with a big book and he would look like this. I was like, and he checked out the room. I felt, I felt like Bambi, you know, when Bambi sees his dad, you know, everybody's talking, ah! and then he walks in, I go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because he felt like powerful. He looked like he had some, I don't know what he had, but he had what I needed. So he broke down the book. Get out your pens and your highlighters and your, pen and your pencils and get out your dictionaries and let's get down. Cool. All right. So I want you to write down this prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about these steps. This book, this program, my disease, myself, and especially you, God. For an open mind and new experience with these steps, this book, this program, my disease, myself, and especially you, God. Amen. Okay. All right. We get into the book. We go home. I go to the book side. A week later, come back. Oh, the instruction was... Say that prayer 15 times a day and come back next week knowing it. Cool. Well, I was going to 90 meetings in 90 days. I was busy, you know. <laughs> so I come back the next week, and he says, okay, spider, get up and uh, say the set-aside prayer. Mm, I don't know it. You don't know it? Mm -mm. Well, why the fuck don't you go back out and finish then and come back ready to work? Next, who knows a set-aside prayer? Everybody's like, uh. <laughs> nobody knew it, you know. He goes, okay. <laughs> he goes, tell you what. He says, why don't you learn this prayer, and if you don't know it next week, don't bother coming back because you're just wasting good smoking time. I went home, I'm like, oh, oh. I wrote it on my hands. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I mean, for whatever reason, he had my attention. He had my attention. I came back the next week. He said, who wants to open up the meeting with a set-aside prayer? I said, me! Pick me! Spider, <laughs> sit down. I know you know it. Anybody else? <laughs> I didn't say it out loud, though. I was like... <laughs> the important note that he was trying to say was, I really had I suffered and was I willing was I willing to do what it took to get my ass one more day? I mean, I said, please don't kick me out. I thought I was getting kicked out of CA. Please don't kick me out. He says, come on, man, you ain't kicked out, girl. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm working with my sponsor. He's just the big book teacher. And then we get to the fourth step and she has, she has an issue with him trying to steal her sponsees. And he said, I'm not trying to steal your sponsees. I'm just a guest in your house. And they had a falling out. So she attempted to show me what he was showing me, but it just was watered down. It wasn't the same. And um, pretty soon it was, I can't meet with you anymore. And she had, you know, things had happened in her life on a personal level. And so I sought out a lot of other people that were hopefully, hopefully willing to help me out. I basically sought out men. I don't know what it was about the men, but they had my attention, and probably because I grew up around a lot of men. I don't know. But anyway, so then I went and sought him out, and I said, I really need, he goes, you know why you're coming to me, Spider? I said, yeah, because I, 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 I do, because I need to finish my steps. And he says, you know, I just want to make it clear that you're not after something else. You know, intimate. <laughs> I'm like, you know, no, I said, I want what you have in the book. He says, yeah, but I heard from Monica, and Monica said that you want to, you know, have some personal relations. I'm like, trust me, if I ever wanted anything personal with you, I have no qualms letting you know that it's about to go down. <laughs> Honestly, all I want is that book. He says, all right, let's get to work. So he put me to work. He just wanted to make sure that I wasn't, had an ulterior motive, you know? I am a little bit crazy. And after he heard my four step, he was like, oh, thank gosh, you didn't want nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> I had some, some pretty ugly things on my four step that I shared with him, and he was pretty taken aback. Poor baby. He didn't know. He didn't know I was shit. That's like my, my ex-husband, you know, I feel like I threw my cast in my worm and, you know, you want to go smoke a joint? <laughs> like, yeah, okay, come on. And he didn't know I was sick. He married me. <laughs> but, you know, um, this disease really, really kicked my ass. It put me into a submissive place. It put me into a place of, please help me. And, and that's not a place I'm used to being in. Please help me. Um, coming into the rooms of Cocaine Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous was so inclusive and not exclusive. It didn't tell me how to talk, what words I could say or what words I couldn't say, what drugs or what I could not. I could share about pretty much anything. And it, I felt home. 
with Cocaine Anonymous. And I really did want a cocaine book, and they told me that it was Alcoholics Anonymous, big book. Thank God. They said there was only, you know, like we all suffer from one thing. It's the thing that puts us together in these rooms, that suffering, the allergy, the breakout. And I, you know, one hit, one drink. I had to talk to, I'm talking to this guy from high school. And, he, and I said, um, I just want you to know, you know, that I'm an addict. You ain't no addict. Oh, yeah? Cool. <laughs> Thank God. No, I didn't say that. I said, yeah, he goes, addicts die. I said, well, this addict didn't. I'm very well aware that addicts die. I've seen a lot of addicts die. He said, you know, you're not actively using, so you cannot call yourself an addict. I said, okay, I'm a recovering, I'm a recovered addict. He said, no, just get the addict out of your vocabulary. I said, well, you know what? If I forget about that part, that's the gold in my pocket. Like, that keeps me in check. And if you're not comfortable, somebody must have called you an addict and pissed you off, huh? You know, that's all I can think of. He's not ready to hear the real truth about himself, maybe. I don't know. I know when I'm that angry about something, it's usually because somebody's pissed me off. Maybe they told me something about myself that I didn't know. But um, I'm pretty comfortable with announcing myself as an addict. And I remember my sister, I have an older sister, and she said, Mary, do you still have to go to meetings? Because, you know, you got five years sober. I said, girl. You know, when I first came into these rooms, I finished my steps with that sponsor. I got into service because of a guy named Dave. Dave showed me what it was like to be of service in hospitals and institutions. And I was chairing, I think at one time I was chairing um, nine meetings a week at one time. I really had to, you know, my disease is so cunning, baffling, and powerful that I had to put myself at, into work right away. Um, I didn't work with newcomers until, uh, I think, two years sober. And I really didn't have a really good idea about recovery until I was five years sober. I mean, honestly, everything I was doing, I was just kind of following following the, foot, the steps that people had taken before me. And I really didn't have a clear understanding until my fifth year. Then I understood what I was doing. It was just, I don't know. And thank God that big book teacher was underlining and highlighting and defining because I have ADD so bad. And, and I could not read the book alone. I could not go home and read the first 164 pages. I just could not do that. It wasn't talking to me. And so when he did it, he had my attention. He commanded it. And that's how I do the steps, too. I do the steps through the book, and I don't know any other way to do it. I don't know how to sh take shortcuts or do it this way or just read it off the wall. I don't, that doesn't make no sense to me. Because from what I understand, that first step is the foundation. That's what I, he told me that I had to be standing on a rock and not no quicksand. He said, anybody who's not clear on step one is standing on quicksand. So, you know, getting to know the disease within myself and understanding that I suffer from this disease and giving myself permission to say, I'm an addict, was huge. Because I kept putting the lights to show myself as I'm under control. It will never control me. I've got this. I'm just a weekend warrior. 
I'm not that bad. I could have a beer. Weed is natural. All these lies that I told myself. And you know what? My, the biggest thing that this big book teacher told me was, let's look at the record. Fuck you, look at the record. Well, check yourself out. Let's go down the list. How did it work for you? What? I mean, why are you here at Cocaine Anonymous? Fucked up from cocaine if you could control weed and beer and all, you know, go to happy hour with your coworkers. Well, it didn't work that well. You know, shit. Yeah, it didn't work that well. So I did belong here. This is my home. This is where I get my medicine. This is where I get my freedom. This is where I can walk in the daytime. This is where I can look at you in your eye and say, I'm here, bitches. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because when I'm using it, I'm drinking, I'm like this. Looking for your purse on the floor. Uh-huh. Trying to give you a bump to get you sprung so you can spring all night. Mm. And, and, you know, I remember when <laughs> the alcohol question came into to play because I... I knew I was a, a drug addict, but did I know I was an alcoholic? So my sponsor said, Spider, are you an alcoholic? No, <coughs> no, I'm not. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't, nah. That's great news, he said. Then you won't have any problem stopping. <laughs> what? Yeah, if you're not an alcoholic, then you won't have a, you won't have any issues not drinking. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> this is how fucking naive I am, right? I trip out on people that come into the room and say, <clears throat> I'm gonna pick up this one year chip because I haven't used cocaine, but you know I still smoke weed and drink beer on the weekend. <laughs> cool. Who are we to judge, right? But that's not me. I can't do that. And, you know, when my early recovery, Steve, thank God for Steve. Where's Steve at? Steve? Man, thank God for Steve. I think I had two years sober. I had a bunch of sponsees that raised Laverna's, Razor's Edge at Laverna's, and we were all standing room only. Because it used to be that you brought in all the guys from the Sally and all the Havenettes and all the, you know, the, the recovery rehab places. And um, there was a girl in there that I happened to know on a personal level. And she said um, she had two years. So she got up. I think I had a year. I don't know how much time I had. She picked up a two-year chip. And she said, I'm going to be in a wheelchair next year. And there's all these cockroaches crawling on me. And I have this and that. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I said, what the fuck are you sharing in this goddamn room? I ain't none of these newcomers wanting to hear that shit. What the hell are you saying, you idiot? Well, you know, I said, oh, shut the fuck. I said, you know what? You came from AA to CA, but we do the steps too, motherfucker, so you better get yourself some busy. And then Steve said, well, I just want to say that, you know, we don't talk like that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. It's because she was, she was getting to me. My professional victim, I gotta really be careful with that little bitch. She wants to get me fucked up. So when I start saying, you know what happened to me? I'm like, oh, go, go girl. I'm like, you gotta help me out, dude. You gotta, look at her. 
And then, you know, my son hit me, and he busted up my car, and I don't have a car. Oh my God. You know, I had to, this room's taught me the steps in that big book. It taught me how to revert that, right? So last, last year, my 22-year-old son totaled my transportation on an extreme DUI and took out three cars. And my um, victim wants to kick in, but I can't let that bitch out. It's like, it's like unlocking the gorilla's cage for me, okay? So I get into, thank you, God. Thank you for not letting me um, have to plan a funeral. Material things are just material things. That's what this room taught me on a real serious note. And everybody was afraid for him. And then, in, that was in July. In October, he decides to come home in a blackout and kick my living ass. I was so heartbroken. And on, on an honest note, I thought about drinking. But you know what the steps did for me? It helped me to recoil. You know, it's a fleeting thought. I recoil from it like a hot flame. I wouldn't even drink if I could. That's what the big book tells me if I'm doing what it takes, working with others. And you know, and, and my way of service is by the newcomer. That's my specialty. I fucking love the newcomers. Mm -hmm. They saved my life. And, and so, yes, my ass was kicked, and I was afraid for my life, and I was very heartbroken. But I said to myself, if this young man is suffering from my disease and this is a way he is gonna get into these rooms, then put me out there. Because I will do anything for my children. But these rooms taught me that. I can't get that nowhere else. You know, if I, I told him, I said, you know, you're a lucky little shit. Because if I were drinking, we would not be talking right now. I'd probably be in prison. My whole family probably would have ganged up on him. And it was all because of my attitude and the way that I thought and the way that I expressed to the, to the family, they were able to kind of calm down and say, you know what, how many times have you done something stupid, drunk, or something you regretted, drunk? And what makes you better than them? And they're like, well, you're only saying that because he's your son. You're damn right I'm saying that because he's my son. I'm just saying, I'm not excusing the behavior. I have to understand what I suffer from. And do I want to go to jail? Do I want, if this means that this, my son is going to get into these rooms by way of kicking a blackout, kicking my ass, then so be it. I ask my higher power every single day, put me where you need me. Help me to be of service to those who suffer. And if this is the way to do it, this, this is your will, not mine. That's just a little bit of my story, and I thank you guys for letting me share it.